The Tangent Egg Podcast is aimed at a mature audience. It contains themes that are not appropriate for all listeners. It's important to note that we are not experts. We routinely have no idea what we're talking about and are just three idiots sitting around a table. Listener discretion is advised. Quick note from editor Seth here. With all the uh, turmoil that came with Ben leaving and everything we had to do to get things sorted after that and then John Doe starting, we kind of forgot to announce who won the Ukraine bundle. That person is Tom, by the way. We're going to be contacting you soon and getting the prize to you, which we very much hope you'll enjoy. Now, on with the show. Okay, this is the third time we've done this due to technical difficulties. Welcome to the Tension Edit Podcast. <laughs> it's We're doing Seth well today. Swoosh and Jondo here. And I believe Swoosh has got something he wants to start the episode with. Uh, primarily, I just want to have a bit of a collective chuckle at Disney finally maybe losing the rights to Mickey Mouse. Because fuck them and everything they stand for at this point like going through animation and that kind of stuff we learned a lot about Disney and Warner Brothers and all that fun stuff and some of the fun facts you learn are A Walt Disney had one of the largest submarine fleets in uh, the US at one point which is so fucking weird it's so fucking dumb and two was the fact that you know Disney has been messing with our copyright laws for so long so they don't have to lose uh, Mickey Mouse. And recently they, they lost Steamboat Willie, the precursor. That finally hit public domain because I'm assuming someone in the counting got lax and didn't pay you know, some sound or somewhere to extend it again. But now that timer is coming up for Mickey Mouse and they can't renew. <laughs> the local, At the local governments aren't letting them renew. They're yeah. actively going against it as well as all of their current land rights that they've got there so oh yeah where they can act as a sovereign state essentially absolutely they poked the fire and now they're getting burned well I mean they can only get away with it for so long it really was some pretty egregious shit it has taken so long already how has it taken this long for it to happen though yeah it's been left alone for far too long like they had to have been paying a few people like just, just don't look in this direction it's fine nothing's going wrong but the weird thing is, uh, all the stuff that's been leaked from employees of like Disney World and Disneyland and that kind of stuff, and what happens. Uh, one of my favorites is the uh, was Aladdin prerogative, which is uh, by the you know the ruling of Disney on their parks, no one is to um, lose a life. You can't murder anyone, uh, even to defend others, except for Aladdin's prerogative, which means the guy who plays Aladdin is allowed to murder people if justified by Disney such a weird thing right who's Why Aladdin that? we need to let someone be able to murder people and protect everyone who should it be Aladdin yeah that'll work none of the other like actual fighting things we have Aladdin no. or any of the other knights or any of those sort of characters not the no. street rat well if you look his character's already tarnished he's already a, a, a street thief he's already a liar he cons his way to get into the tower so of course he's gonna be the only one that can kill true and everyone needs a street thief hit squad. Yeah, true. compelling argument there. Does that mean he's a one man street gang? Well, him and his monkeys. No, sorry. Yeah, two man. He's one and a half. Him and a monkey. <laughs> well, if you think of any other major Disney character, none of them have got the same sort of background where they're already thieves, or none that I can think of off the top of my head. Anyway, short of Stitch, who's made to destroy, but he's the only one true. who could have the character to kill in theory in Disney off camera death anyway unless you're a big bad guy and falling off a building yeah there have been some inadvertent deaths in Disney but nothing uh, nothing that's been straight ahead like I know it's not it's Disney now but before it was Disney I think it was Pixar who made Up was it Pixar that was Pixar yeah The, the death in Pixar was amazingly well done well, like, that's because they made you like the characters in less than 10 minutes and then was like, one of them's dead. Oh no, not just that. The death of the villain. It was sharp and quick. There was no, yes. oh, he's going to survive. It was, no, he has plummeted to his death. Yes. No, yes. if, buts, maybe, that is done. Fuck. And that started the trend of Disney doing brutal stuff. Yeah. And then we started seeing more and more brutal deaths of villains from Disney. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a... I think they learnt a little from Pixar because Pixar really 
has that ability to make those really like for lack of a better way the way you put it like sharp deaths like mm. you feel it and I think that's kind of what Disney's been kind of missing at least more recently maybe not when they back when a lot of the movies that people think of as Disney movies were made and those deaths were a little softer they probably played a little better then but you know now people like that definitive like comeuppance have been had yeah. the, a lot of the older Disney movies they take a whole movie to make you love and enjoy a character whereas Pixar mm. do it in a 10 minute gap and suddenly you're invested in this character there's their whole life in front of you so uh, the death in a Pixar movie almost has to be short and sharp to say this is dead it's over Yeah, like your 10 minutes of emotional turmoil is Mm. done whereas old Disney took an hour and a half to make you look at this character and go oh my god I've lived I've lived this hour and a half with you and this is your Mm. story I actually understand something and oh shit I mean look at the Lion King Simba is a whiny little shit for half that movie and then you start to like him yeah yeah Whereas Pixar would have got you to like him in the first 10 minutes and then tipped him off the freaking cliff. Well, I mean, Up is the best example of that. Mm. Yeah. I know of no other movie or, I mean, really any animated piece of cinema I've ever seen that got me to love a pair of characters that quickly and then be that brutal with it. Absolutely. If you want to ruin someone's day, you send them the first 10 minutes of Up. Ugh. It's rough. Like, it's really rough. First thing in the morning, seven o'clock. Oh, someone has sent me a message. It's just up, like, like you monster. <laughs> well, that day's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> well, the day can only go up from there. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> oh, god. <laughs> um, I mean, I was going to save this for later, but it actually does really dovetail really nicely into a thing because I wanted to talk about uh, the new season of Love, Death, and Robots is out. Mm. Um. I don't really want to spoil too much of it because I absolutely adore Love, Death, and Robots, and it's probably a little too early for us to be like massively spoiling these short little yeah. things. But I do want to talk about it because there's one episode of Love, Death, and Robots Season 3... I'm just really happy that... we got the three robots back. I know, right? Oh, that so one is good. Um... I'm just pulling up. Like, I would so I happily can... watch more of those guys, just their interactions with the world, essentially, learning about humans. It's like, this is great. I want more of these angry little robots doing things. Crap, where is it? The episode title. Why is it not here? Ah, goddammit. Um, there, there's one episode that's... Um, I can never pronounce the name. Uh, it... It's this episode that's... Uh, if you've seen the trailers, it's the one with the, the girl coming out of the lake. Um, oh, yeah, the last A one. lot of people have found it very odd of an episode. It's done by the same guy who did uh, The Witness from, I think it's season one. Mm. Um, which is that weird time loop one. Um, I bring this up... Yeah, season one, The Witness. Um, I bring this up because the, the guy who made this short was really big on... I don't have to say anything. I can do everything with visuals. Mm. In the entire run of that episode, I barely understand what's going on. Same. I had no idea what was happening. I mean, I get the gist of it, but, like, none of it makes enough sense. Yeah. Like, she pops out of the lake. The deaf guy doesn't get brought in because he's deaf, deaf, so he can't hear a siren wail. And then he murders her and then gets punished by getting the ability to hear and then she just kills him it's fucking weird and I don't get it it was the weirdest Um, one to end on because normally they leave a a really good one for last and that to me felt like the weakest of the new batch I would agree honestly I would have ended on the crab one the crab one was fucking amazing and yeah uh, bad traveling episode 2 that is an amazing episode like that one's fantastic um the very pulse of the machine is probably their best visual episode. I think they um, had a few people from the first one come back because uh, the pulse of the machine reminds me of the the shark or the um, the swimming one from the first season where the the guys like, yeah in the desert yeah it is around. it's same company same company yeah. did that one uh, what is it uh, fish night I think it is yeah and the bear um, that one is the same guy who did the Dracula one I'm pretty sure yeah yeah. Um, uh, 
God, kind of kill team kill. Called. Yeah, no, that's the that's the new one with the bear. Mm. Uh, uh, Sucker of Souls is that's is it. the one from season one. Um, yeah, it, it's it's excellent. I love that one. I think the MVP for this season is Swarm. Ooh, that episode that is. One. That one is amazing. Like, after I finished watching it, I was like, please tell me this one's based on a book. And it is, but the book stops at the same spot. So Ah, there's no more. No. Ah, it's so good. Like, if you could watch only one episode, as much as I love the three robots, if you could watch one episode from season three, I'd tell you to watch Swarm. It is the best episode. I loved Swarm, but I actually really enjoyed the one that came after it, which is the one about the rats and the, the farmer trying to, <laughs> to get rid of them. That, to me, was great, because I loved it, um, but it also allows us to like go into another topic, which is murder hamsters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. This is... I. I how have we not... Have we not made enough movies about how this is a dumb idea? Not yet, apparently. But we should definitely... Uh, Dan, tell us about the murder hamsters. Tell us about the murder hamsters. So... There's a university doing studies on trying to make uh, creatures more placid and how chemicals work in the in the brain to make them so. And so they found by editing a genome in hamsters, they could try to throttle the 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 aggressive tendencies in these little creatures. The reason they used hamsters is because the chemical makeup of the brain is apparently very similar to humans. So is that the same reason they use mice for things? Yeah, but the mice work differently uh, in the brain chemistry. Uh, the hamsters release for, uh, some of the same chemicals that humans don't. Anyway, so through editing these genomes, they've changed the a certain receptor in the brain to not receive these chemicals, and instead of making them more placid, they've made them hyper-aggressive to <laughs> members of both sexes so the female hamsters became hyper aggressive to the males and other females same for the male hamsters and carnage ensued hmm if this isn't a tale that has been told in many movies media anywhere in sci-fi I don't know what is this is just stupid the first one that comes to mind is uh, was it 28 days where it starts with a monkey biting a guy in this case this would be a hamster bite somewhere oh, yeah. you've got rage zombies running around like without you know, that's just going to happen that's how we're all doomed now but then like, there's this is the exact story of the Reavers from Firefly like literally the exact things well we tried to make them placid but some of them went hyper aggressive like guys stop it look the, the the core idea of doing some some gene alteration isn't inherently bad. Hmm. There are like legitimate uses for such a setup, but come on, like we turned hamsters into murder balls. Really? That's you that that's what you succeeded at? We made things more brutal. See the fun what thing the is fuck? When uh, John Doe sent it to us in chat, it was the whole thing. Yeah, like I, I'm worried about what they're going to do with this pacifism. Like I'm more worried about what they're going to do with the angry shit now. Like, yeah, I don't trust the government not to use that for evil. I would use that for evil. I would happily dose a bunch of hamsters and release them upon the world. Just a swarm. See what happens. So uh, just randomly insert them into pet shops. Mm. A quote from the article. Uh, we were really surprised at the results. Uh, we anticipated that if we eliminated the vasopressin activity, we would, redu- we would reduce both aggression and so- social communication. But the opposite happened. This suggests a startling conclusion. Even though we know that vasopressin in- increases social behaviours by acting within a number of brain regions, it is possible that more global effects affect the brain as they do uh, we don't understand this system as well as we thought we did like so it turns out that chemical is just blocking the elder gods going kill 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 and now the hamsters can hear it so we have like tiny Cthulhu hamsters can you imagine a wave God, of hyper aggressive hamsters rolling over the hill you're sitting in your bunkers going this is the tenth day of the hamster war whatever will we do <laughs> Can you imagine reading the history later, though? Like, you know, a couple hundred years down the line, it's like, what the fuck was the hamster war? Like, ah, ah. Well, it, it's you know not a bad conclusion of the early anything? 2020s. 
No, actually, yeah, no, that would be a good season finale, to be honest. It would be. And as they roll over the hill in the background, you just hear the hamster dance playing. It's like, oh, we're yeah. going <laughs> to die to the fucking hamster dance. God damn. Yes. So as I feel like this would like not go down super well in the in the United States, simply for one reason: a lot of ride-on mowers. <laughs> that is a good point, actually. Oh well, no, it's like, the hamster wave. Get the mower, honey. By the same <laughs> token, in Australia, we have cane toads, and you, you see every bloke running around with a golf club and lawn mowers, and those things mm. like are everywhere. They're making their way well into New South Wales. So, And they sit there for a while. They will let you club them with a stick. Unlike a hamster, which will be running around every five, like, every which well, way. But see, like the, the key difference in this discussion is, yes, cane toads are a good analogous thing to a hamster wave, but... Toads will let you sit there and hit them with a golf club. Mm. Also true, uh, toads are actually surprisingly difficult to kill at times. Yes, no, they are weirdly durable. Though there's Australian birds, uh, so crows much. and hawks that have found ways to kill them. They don't particularly want to eat them. They land on top of them, so they sit still, then flip them over, peck a small hole in their stomach, and the cane toad's first defense is to puff up. As they do, they, <laughs> just they squit their own innards all over the place and the bird just flies away Didn't yeah I can that. see crows or magpies doing that they like, they're vicious they little buggers god damn they're clever oh, yeah. but if you make yeah, friends with them friends for life like I can still wander around where I used to have a house and the magpies they remember me it's been like a few generations since it's like ah the legends tell of this one we don't attack that one like, <laughs> it was great we used to feed them scraps and then go wandering in the park and you'd see everyone else getting swooped like just random families all just having a nice day out and then there's a bunch of us you know bastards in the corner like yeah no one attacks us <laughs> awful cost of a, lo- a loaf of bread each month it was great during COVID you sacrificed uh, this loaf of bread <laughs> during all the lockdowns uh, I was working in the winery and I came home one day and uh, across the road from our place is a, a big oval and uh, in the grass where they hadn't mowed was uh, a peewee chick and uh, oh, yeah. so I walked over and I looked around and the, the mother was in the tree above it squawking it was falling out of a nest it still had all its feathers but it couldn't quite fly yet mm. so I, I picked it up and took it home we kept it in the shoebox and uh, went to the pet shop and bought uh, mealworms for it so we fed it mm. and just looked mm. after it watered it everything till it could fly and it still comes back now there's a mob of about six of them that land out in our back porch <laughs> and you can hand feed them mealworms and Every like last year there was four of them. The year before there was only two of them. Now there's four of them, and yeah, now there's six of them sitting out there that chip every friggin' day. So they remember. <laughs> They're clever little buggers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like a lot of birds are very clever, and then they're sometimes very cleverly stupid. I think we oh, all absolutely. remember that uh, article about the kookaburra that ate so many snags it could no longer fly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Is that stupid or is that just who can pass up a snag? Really, come on, (laughs) snag and bread with a bit of onion. You'd you'd get me in a trap with that. Yeah, it's like Um, the possum who broke into a bakery and they found him like a box of like donuts. I regret nothing. (laughs) You can kill me, but I I have one because it's like reclined back with the big (laughs) fat belly and just smeared jam. (laughs) So good. You can just tell us like you can kill me, but I have won this fight. Let's be honest. But, like, speaking of, like, getting me in traps with sausages, I'm not going to lie, that's half of why I went and voted in this election. That is the trap. They get you in with the sausage. While you're here, throw a vote down. Eh. Oh, man, I swear they got... The volunteers were getting pushy this year. It was fun. Oh, yeah. We had a a punch-up at one of our schools from the the volunteers that turned up. We had a, a liberal bloke turn up and a Labour bloke turn up and both of them drank at the same pub on the same day and neither of them agreed Ooh. on policy and they were into it god damn Ooh. it was I that went to vote just for that <laughs> no, this is, you know, snag so you get dinner and a show it's pretty fun absolutely it makes it all worthwhile democracy yeah. at work <laughs> and now you know who to yell shit at the local pub just to see what they do <laughs> but, oh god okay but that's so- done for four years Yes, I'm very happy. Until local elections. So, Yay! Yay! They're not as bad, though. Um, no, they also right, don't have so sausages. I'm, mm. I know, right? No democracy dogs. Mm. 
got to rely on Bunnings. How are you supposed to get me to vote if you're not going to give me my snag? You need a treat. You Um, need a reward for it. You go through to hell, you need a reward. Yeah. That's the weird thing, though, because you put that logic towards Bunnings having them every every weekend as well. It's like, but now I actually like going to Bunnings. What is this? (laughs) Now I get a reward. Pretty sure it's why Bunnings did it. Yeah. (laughs) Double the reward. Right, now to change gears a little bit, and I swear to God, this is going to be the last time I bitch about this show because, well, the season's over. Mm. Um, it is like, I want to talk to Swoosh about some stuff to do with the last episode of Halo. Which I have not watched. And I'm going to tell you, the episode's kind of trash, and, and the ending of the seasons is really not worth it. But I very specifically wanted to show Swoosh a couple of scenes of the... <clears throat> last episode from his animation perspective because he did spend an awful lot of money to get that accreditation I did I might as well use it occasionally so um, I'm going to start by just setting a baseline like this is how the CG can look in this show Mm. Um, so for anyone who wants to follow along this is in episode 1 about 11 minutes 47 in when the Covenant attack so there's plenty of shots in in this section <clears throat> of you know I mean they even do a first person so the only sequence, the only part the, I hated about this sequence was when he throws the gun it looks like an oh, yeah. actual game prop but the thing I want you to focus more on is the Singeli mm. they look pretty good they're they've generally got a good size to them they've generally kind of moved with a bit of weight they're, they're not bad like I mean it's digital in live action it's never going to look amazing yeah but they don't look that bad so that is from episode one and I just wanted to show that to you just to get a baseline going so that when I show you the rest of this you understand the fucking train wreck I mean throughout most of them the CG's been pretty okay for the uh, Sengeli they, they okay so oh, oh yo, you fucking wait buddy oh no this is a scene from later where a Spartan is trying to catch up to a spaceship that's escaping mm. so I just wanted to show you this because the character really like. Can you see the lack of weight? Yeah, they're, but they're they no did longer that previously. Actually, when they had them running along behind a jeep, there was the same kind of weightless feeling to them. I think the thing that helped is that the jeep was at least moving. Yeah, you had a, a reference. Whereas in this scene, it's it's Kai chasing after Halsey's ship, hmm. and there's no frame of reference. She outruns everything. So it tends to get this kind of like weird, weightless, bouncy moonwalk thing going. It's yeah. very odd. Even that you know, scene where they jumped right through the roof it. and landed in there, they bounced three or four times to make it look like, oh my god, there's a bit of weight here, but you've done, yeah. you've overdone there's it there. There's none. Yeah. Like, yes. Oh. I, now, I, don't, I don't even oh, no. want to watch you, this show anymore. It's not Halo. Look, no. <laughs> were it, it, were we correct? Did they, did they cuck us on the fucking Halo at the end? Oh, they absolutely did. They don't. Yes! They don't. Called they're it. not oh, even. On, they're not even on the way to Halo yeah, a, by the a, end what? of this That'll show. Be a season three ender. Um, Fuck! Uh, are you kidding me? They're not even, not even on the way to the Halo yet. No, they 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 have half a map. Uh, Fuck off! So it will be a season three. <laughs> it will be. Yeah. Um. Okay. So this is that. Okay. So in this season. The last episode is on the Covenant homeworld. They, hmm. They're not on high charity in this this thing. They have this desert scene that they're part of. Um, look at this fucking shit. Yeah. Like, how fucking empty and dead is this? Like, that right there is a battlefield. No one's 2042 crying. Now. Yeah, but like you can tell no, that they're enough. just they're just on a sand pit, mm. and there's not like he didn't even step on anything in that shot. They just add it in it looks really dumb but where's this like just up there's this big sweeping shot right here that is empty and boring what this, is that this is them trying to show off the grand high temple of the prophets this is what they made it look like I've seen PS2 games with better shit than this that looks like that old quake map How is where this? you're well above earth and there's like the two temples and there's the two paths yeah. with a jetpack yeah. in the middle that's all that looks like yeah. Like a basic multiplayer what? map with no filler. I know what this they is... tried to do. They tried to actually make it seem like a multiplayer map from Halo, but even the Halo maps in the first one had more po- like, prop density than this does. They have life to yeah. it, this doesn't. Yeah, this is 
boring and dead, and I don't like it. This doesn't look like anyone even did a lighting pass on it to make it look good. Yeah. Like, they've got braziers, but they only light the two pillars directly behind them. Not the ground, not the pillars around them, nothing. Like, who? I'm not even an animator, and I'm looking at this being like, the fuck? I need, this- a, I need a... How this I did intro to animation. God damn it. No, no, if you look at the uh, the braziers there, because for anyone playing at home, the braziers are lit, but they have a very solid shadow cast by them, which means that they didn't have these as lit braziers during filming. They were just... The thing was there. No, so, this is a whole CG set. This isn't yeah. filmed. Oh, that's even so worse. This means a digital artist put it in but didn't light map the braziers so that like they're clearly on fire anyone who wants to look at it go to the last episode go to 29 minutes 23 and you can see it and it's it's dumb like this isn't a set where there's people running around this is a CG fill-in shot yeah like this should not have been a a major thing this looks like if you look at where the pillars touch the sand they're like literally cookie cutter just sat on top there's no sand see as it plays, you can see some sand like a little over the edges and all over the place. Yeah. But that opening mm. scene where it's like, oh my god, here's the setting, it's sat there. Like there's no, it doesn't yeah. interact. Well, it's, because clearly the actors are do in this? like a sand pit. But how like, as the. Way? I know. And as it goes on, like more CG characters start showing up, so they can't devote as many frames to the animation. So it starts getting jerky. Or the characters start looking worse. Like, these brutes have shown up... Like, I've continued showing them a little more. Um, And these brutes have shown up before, and they look better. Like, they look really trash now. The first-person sequence from the first episode looks better than this big fight scene that they're really trying to pay Mm. off as this Mm. amazing sequence. The Doom first-person scene looks better than this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they're all sort of going um, through like uh, you look at them and they did that thing where it's like, oh, you know, this this guy was a big scary one at the start. And it's like, yes, we fought one brute and Chief got his ass handed to him, and now mm. he's comfortably taking on four of them, and he's not yeah. gone through any training. He's not gone through anything apart from taking that fucking inhibitor chip. Not even him. a I'm better now montage. Yeah. Oh, he gets better at this point, but it's a plot thing, so I won't. Oh, more plot armor. Too much. Um, oh no, it, it absolutely is plot armor. He's supposed to be dead. Um, but like this Singeli suddenly start looking like trash. Like mm. this dude in this episode now looks less detailed because they've got to add in all this extra animation they want to do. Yeah. Even it is the really, technical artist really with the dust stupid. there is hor- horrible. Yeah. This I mean, reminds me the- of um, the ending of Boba Fett where they say, oh, we put a lot of money into the, uh, the Rancor, but what else? It's like, well... Apparently not the aim for the bots who are not shooting at the grouped people. Mm. They took their aiming from, I mean, early, like, from early stormtroopers. Mm, true. I mean, That's all they were modeled Look at this shot. In this, this this one here. The sun is... The, there's a sun behind it which should cast shadows, but mm. it doesn't. Everything in front is in full light. All the statues are... But the light, shadows on the statues aren't even going in the same direction. Yeah, actually... Like, Someone's massively fucked up the light box there because the light source should be behind the tower. You can see it there, but there's Mm. no shadow from it. I know! That's so weird. It's all coming from, like, the left. But it's not because some of it is, but if you look at the statue on the right-hand side, the light source is above it. Yeah, no, fuck, you're right. This is 90s multiplayer is down across its chest. This is everything is I hope someone got fired. Someone put ambient lighting on this for some reason. I, I watched this and the first thing I thought was oh I have to talk to Swish about this on the podcast because it's so bad and I'm not I did like I did uh, like everyone at the university we did had to do the intro to programming animation and web design hmm. so I've only done intro to animation I'm looking at this going you fucked up <laughs> yeah I hope someone was fired for this this is just bad for a a final episode as well because I don't think yeah. they're getting more I really don't I think they've been I'm pretty sure they've already been cleared for season 2 oh god um, when you can make but, a series like, like that, this is- and not even look at the source material of course they're not going to look at the actual like technical of making the show shit no that makes sense actually it's why learn I mean, to make a show when we just make the show we'll learn on the go I think I know why this scene probably has just generally global <laughs> illumination 
It's so you can see all the detail on the pelican. Uh, yeah, probably. Because it's flying away, but its jet boosters, which are clearly glowing, are giving off no ambient light. Yeah. They went for a. I'm sorry. A 2K, the more I look at it, the more it annoys the pelican, me. But they're still using like 720p textures on everything else. Yeah. Oh yeah. Look at this. Look at this sweeping shot. Like it's just coming down on all these singali that look terrible. Is it meant to be a floating it, island? It's, it's it's a it's a mesa. That you can't no, see any island. other world um, anywhere in the background. Oh, like its planet is completely isolated. Um, here's the drop shot where they go down. Um, so this is their planet, and they're oh, the look, only thing on it. He finally puts the helmet back on. Yeah, and they're just dropping down to a mesa. It's not an isolated floating piece of land. Of course, he put the helmet That's on. That's the There's tower no in the um, he's going to save his poontang. Hey, if it's not on, understand. it's not on. Yeah. I still don't understand how... Like, why they had the, uh... The renegade chick. The, uh... What are they? Rebellion Kai. chick running around. Kai. Oh, no, no, not Kai. The the actual rebellion chick from the first planet they were on. Yeah. I don't know. She doesn't feature in the last two episodes. She's not even going with them to Halo. Yeah, like, her story is still open, which shouldn't have been there. We don't need a you know, stand in for the audience in this kind of thing. That's what Chief and the Spartans were. But, ah, why? There was such good source material to play with. If they had just done the Spartan training, I would have watched the shit out of this show. Yeah, Spartan training for different Spartans and followed their story. Mm. Oh. Been great. So many missed opportunities in this whole friggin' thing. Hell, in the, the book series, there is actually a part where... Um, the next batch of Spartans after Chiefs are midway through doing stuff when their planet gets glassed so the training planet gets completely fucked up by the Covenant and that's where most of the other Spartans die as well but why not just have if not going to do anything canon have them escape just get a bunch of Spartans who steal the younger generation of Spartans like alright cool we're going to train you now oh, why does it even uh, have yeah. to be the, the Master Chief generation like as you've seen in the, the newer games there are newer versions mm. of Spartans why not mm. follow a, a, a squad of soldiers that are going through and they're selected for the Spartan program so the first season is them becoming Spartans the latest generation mm. of Spartans yep they had so many other opportunities Hell, hell jumpers in general. They were a Absolutely. fun idea. The Start guy off with a squad of hell jumpers. Yeah, yeah, the ODSTs are badass. Absolutely. Like, they are terrifying. It's like, what do you do? Oh, we drop from orbit onto things and shoot crap out. It's like, what? Have you been augmented? No, we're just base human. How good would it have been yeah. the first episode? Like, it just opens up with a hell jumper canopy, just straight down, screaming, <clears throat> big crash, and there's massive battle. And they're just running yeah. head yeah. first into it start with a massive epic scene and you've got three quarters of the audience hooked in the first 30 seconds and that's it, it you follow yes. that squad through the battle and then they're selected to become Spartans instead we had a bunch of teenagers taking drugs because <laughs> that's how Halo uh, started a bunch of teenagers taking drugs yeah yeah it absolutely and, was and then getting murdered by the Covenant it was just alright it was like, and then um, later on, she does more drugs to find out about her dad. And her arc is nothing but taking drugs. That's exactly. all it is. Like she, she took drugs, and maybe it's all just one really bad trip, like for this, <laughs> this chick, because she takes drugs and suddenly aliens and you know Spartans. Oh God, why? And so really, Chief isn't there. It's just her bad trip. Yeah, and her story arc is just her re-upping. It's just like oh. <laughs> That's what this whole show is. It's like someone's got an idea of, oh, this is Halo, and now they're on a bad trip for the entire thing, and that's what this show is. Episode one of season two is going to be waking up, oh my god, now we've got to come down, and the rest of the next season is going to be them coming down, and Mm. that's it. Well, I mean, there is an entire sequence in the last episode where to get to the Covenant homeworld, they they have to go through this, they figure out where it is, because it's... They, they look at a system and go, there's no planet there. And then Chief's like, scan it again. And Cortana, of course, goes, oh, there's actually a weird gravitational anomaly happening in this area that if you, like, pass it out, it's probably bending a lot of light, so you can't actually see into the nebula. And 
they refer to it as a, uh, I think it's a stained glass or a kaleidoscope. Mm. So when they're flying through it, it's just like fucking colours, man! See, that's where the budget went for all the CGs. Like, ah, uh, colours. Just all of them. We're freaking so out, man. There's speed. planets in the trees and they're just everywhere, man. <laughs> <laughs> so they basically just went ludicrous speed, didn't they? So like, we have to get this planet. Ludicrous speed! Oh, kind of. Like, they go in and, like, this is like Katana's on their little console because they're like they can't see the gravitational anomalies so mm. Corner Hunter's like I'll tell you how to get past all the gravitational anomalies so we can get to the other side mm. halfway through doing that she cuts out and can't talk to him because the console's fucked up huh do either of you see the problem here? <sighs> a little bit yeah I, uh... so how are they not a smear on the side of some gravitational anomaly? no no Cortana's surgically implanted in this series. Oh, How right. How does she stop uh, talking to him? She's part of his head. She should be the voice yeah. in the back of his head no matter what. She yeah. can't disappear. I forgot yeah. they, they made her surgical, this one. The, there is a reason for that. I can tell you what it is. Right. The idea is that Halsey didn't want John. She wanted what he could be. Mm. And by surgically implanting Cortana, she can fully take him over. That's the whole point. That's why she had to be surgically implanted. She couldn't be a chip because she is supposed to wholly and completely take him over. The weird thing is, Holly just seems cartoonishly evil in this series. Like, and she was cartoonishly evil in the books. Let's be honest. She kidnaps a bunch of kids and leaves behind flawed clones so they die and no one Absolutely. questions. Absolutely. But the the Spartans just, in the games like, oh, and the books up. are more compelling. Like, they're people. Yeah. They have a reason to fight. Like, there's a reason to go yeah. through all of this shit and they were never actually built to fight the covenant which is no, even funnier like they were meant to be like they were built to put down pride uprising just for normal people I they mean, wanted beings that could just oh we're gonna walk in and now this building is gone for yeah a standard friggin rebellion like like and even some of the side stuff in the original books like at one point no the graduation for the Spartans once half of them had weirded out by either dying because they're weak or dying because surgery fucked up. Um, they're dropped in the middle of the wilderness with nothing. Basically bare ass naked. It's like, ah, uh, yeah, you have to get back. You have to go and take over this this waypoint. Good luck. And off they went. And cuts to like three days later. And they're in like the bunker behind glass. Like observing this just basically a little flag in the middle of a concrete room full of machine gun pods and God knows what else. It's like, oh, how much do reckon, how long do you reckon they'll be? It's like, oh, we've got another couple of days at the very least. We can finish all preparations. And then, of course, they kick in the fucking ceiling, rappel down in full fatigues, every, in you know, tactical gear. It's like, where the fuck did they get that? It's like, <laughs> I don't know. And then they check later on. Turns out they ran across the supply line and just raided it. Yeah. It's like, they, naked, like butt naked out of the wilderness, the Spartans took down a supply line, took all their shit and ran. I would love to have seen that in a in a show. It'd be yeah, great. that would have been amazing. It would have been a hilarious end to a first season. It would have made yeah, them an actual character people wanted to watch, but that's source right? material, yeah. and we don't need that. I am actually really annoyed that I was correct in my prediction that it would not like step foot on Halo. I I told you, you I, that'll like, be a season three thing at the earliest. Mm. Season two well, will be finding the, the rest of the map, and then there might be a grainy image in the last episode of season two. Season three will be the travel two. You still won't be on it at the end yeah. of season three. It'll be as a <clears> an image in the background, and that's all you'll get of it. That yeah. And then that's what if they're banking on a season four. They're banking yeah, on a season if, four for that. They definitely are. If this series gets shit canned by the next one, we will never see a Halo in the Halo series. No. We will be as no. the show Apart floats up to heaven. That's a bad yeah. thing. <laughs> I mean, he's it's had a not going to like, heaven, let's be honest. <laughs> he's had a couple psychic projections to the Halo ring, but that's mm. it. That's that's the sum total. And the show implies that that may not even be real. We have seen more Halo rings in Moonfall than we have seen in the Halo series. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. in Moonfall, the moon's fucking full of them. How did, no, how did exactly. this get three seasons and Firefly got one? I know, right? Uh, yeah. yeah no, there is no justice in the oh, world. Oh, there isn't. There really isn't. Like, scrap this and do another four seasons of Firefly for the same budget. If we did Firefly again, I would... 
I would want two of the original cast back uh, only to act as mentors for a new generation of the the, sh- like the crew you bring mm-hmm. back Mal and Jane they're the only two you need and it's just like right yeah. cool and what do you do like, well I'm retiring and giving you this so you give me a cut of your income if and they redid James it and did not have hamsters sitting on the shoulders of Reavers I would be sorely disappointed yeah <laughs> the Reaver that wins like the, the Reaver that commands everyone else is just a one tiny hamster yeah. little skull spear or is it, it actually the hamster? It's like uh, it's like from Total Recall. They the Reaver walks up and opens the shirt, and there's a hamster growing out of the side, and that's secretly the boss. <laughs> <laughs> he goes back inside to his hamster wheel, and that's what makes the bloke move. <laughs> Did you know the, the writer for that movie? Uh, the writer for the movie finally gave away the ending. He finally whether said what it was meant to be, whether he was being lobotomized or if it was real. Interesting. So, Spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen it, he's being lobotomized. That's what the fade to white is. Ooh. So the entire thing is when he has the, the agent come in trying to convince him to get out, it is real. He is trying to get him out of the simulation. Um, and by shooting him, it just sticks him in there forever. So they lobotomize him. Ooh. Like, yeah. That's pretty cool. I never knew that. Good yeah. to know. That's more well, useless trivia I can now spread around. Thank you very much, Swish. Loved it. You're welcome. I am full of useless trivia. It's great. I feel like all three of us are. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty I mean, of unnecessary if... knowledge. Oh, yeah. If nothing else, I will be happy if this podcast forces more people to watch Soldier, and that's about it. I'm done. <laughs> if I can force more people to watch that movie, I'm good. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I think the thing we're all going to be talking about next week is going to be Obi-Wan. Yes, yes, that comes out very soon. Because that comes out either Friday afternoon our time or Saturday. I, like, Probably Saturday. America time's a bit... <clears throat> actually, Disney's really good about actually releasing our time. It's usually about 6pm. Um, but it's still America, and I usually base everything America time on whatever the next day is. Yeah. I'm yeah. kind of hoping... Um, Disney is good about it. plus one. Yeah. Pretty much. I'm kind of hoping that the first episode is literally like... Because everyone's bitching about him using a, a blaster for some reason. I just want to see him light up the lightsaber and go, Oh, I should not have done this. Uh, and that's what prompts the Inquisitor to no, come no. down. The first episode needs to be him taking his lightsaber and putting it in the fucking box. Yes, just away so it can't be touched. That, no, even better. He does that and then sits down and starts reading like you know, a newspaper or something. Just to... He's on his way. And just diving out of a window. Then you see Darth Maul knocking the door. Hello? <laughs> can Obi-Wan come out to play or him just they, him turning uh, up to uh, like the, the family's place and just throwing the kid through the door look after that although the clap back from uh, Uncle Owen is like he needs to be trained like what like his dad like, well done Uncle Owen he'd be better off Got as a moisture farmer you Oh, yeah. Just let him go get some power converters every now and again, and he'll be right. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah, it'll be fine. Look, man, I'm just happy that, like, like most of the Disney stuff's been really good, and particularly the Star Wars stuff. Big fan of Clone Wars. Bad Batch was great. Mm-hmm. Mandalorian's been really good. Boba was only maligned because, for some reason, this was really stealth 3.5 fucking uh, mm-hmm. Mando. Um, so I'm expecting good things. I'm I'm looking forward to next week not coming on this podcast and going, so the thing I've been watching fucking sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm absolutely excited to come on and be like, it's really good! I want more people to watch it! Great. Although, speaking of things that more people should watch, we're getting more lower, uh, was it Lower Decks soon? Oh, fuck yes. That's gonna be great. Oh my, John Doe, have you watched Lower Decks? No, I've been meaning to, it's on the list, and it's one of those things, it's like, oh, I need to watch that, and then I start playing a game, and it's like, oh, yeah... I should watch that. About that. Actually... <laughs> That's fair. That ga- that, sorry, that show has ruined me for the new Star Trek season, which is the... Um, Strange New Lands? Strange New Lands. The reason being, the Starfleet badge that they have is the original Starfleet badge, which is well, yeah, what because... a character in Lower Decks is based on. Badgy is the original like Star Trek badge. So yeah. every time that <laughs> fucking se- uh, that title comes up, all I can hear is, Hi, I'm Badgy! I'm like, yeah. ah! <laughs> Look, uh. like, that show is is excellent if you 
have never watched Star Trek because mm. it's just a really good, well comedy show. But if you happen to have watched a lot of Star Trek, I mean, I've watched Next Gen, um, Voyager, DS9, Enterprise. Uh, there's probably more I can't think. Of. I've watched a bunch of the movies. Yeah. Um, so I'm, 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 a, I'm a look, man. I actually really like that movie. Bug off. Um, so, so like, I'm a big fan of Star Trek, and this show is great because all it does is go, "You're a fan. I'm gonna make fun of your stuff," yeah. and it's great. Love it's good when they so do that, much. and you can actually get a laugh out of it, not just I'm mm. gonna poke fun, and you're gonna sit there and cry because, well, fuck you and everything you love. It's not poking fun at the fans; it's poking fun at the show. Yeah, and I'm okay which with that. It's cool. Which is a- I like that, but I also we're getting more Orville in like a month or two because uh, that's yes. been dropped, and it's like I'm I'm <laughs> super keen for that. I know I shouldn't be, but so far they have not let me down at all. I'm like I don't want to get too hyped just in case this is the one that fails. But at the same time, I'm getting more Orville, and I'm happy. Given that they've managed to have that show not only be like more comedic, but still have some of that hard hitting shit from Star Trek, it's mm. just like holy crap. It's like moral and, conundrum, but also jokes. Yeah, well, I mean, but like they know when to not do the mor- the jokes. Mm. They can actually uh, stay like on the mild the, the hitting point without it. Yeah, well, I think being the, degraded the best by example of that comedy. is. Yeah, 100%. I think the best example of that is actually toward the end of season two, where they have all of the, the robots uprise. Yeah. And they don't play it for jokes. They play it straight. Like, it's important. Like, this is dangerous and we need to deal with it. It's not, oh, I love, love funny robots. Yeah, you could always tell in that one when things was getting serious because they would not be making jokes. They'd actually switch mm. to, no, no, we're, we're an actual captain. We're going to do the thing now. Yeah. Uh, and then they do the thing. But... But then I just they like know the fact they had Kermit the Frog there as a desk toy for so long and no one questioned it until like halfway through the second season. It's like, what? what is that? Ah, that's Kermit the Frog, a great leader from Earth. Like, that's all we needed. I like this. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, they, they know how to do, uh, like, even then they know how to use comedy <clears throat> for a serious scene. Uh, when the security girl leaves and she leaves him a jar of pickles. Mm. It's yeah. from the first season. It's a joke reference. But now it's being used as a goodbye gift. It's actually using a joke in a clever way. It's so... I can't believe this shit comes from Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Well, he does... It's like... like when it's not South... Oh, when it's not um, Family Guy, he actually does do some interesting stuff. Because I really enjoyed... Well, uh, was it Million Ways to Die in the West? That was a really fun movie. Yeah. Uh, like he can do good stuff, but it's hard to to remember that hmm. because most people think of him as that he's the Family Guy guy, he's the American Dad guy. He does these dumb shows that are all just like throw jokes at wall, yeah. but he can actually do a really good show. And apparently, he's like a massive Star Trek nerd, so yeah. that's part of why this has been like a love project for him. I just like the and fact that the characters act like real people. Yeah, they do. They absolutely like, do. The well, same one where slightly exaggerated, the, but yeah, well, they've got the the chick who lives in the hyper, you know, gravity world, and mm. the pilot runs out. Like, I've always wanted to do this. Just throws a can out and watches it crinkle. It's like ah, he just runs back. Like I would do that. Yeah. I would happily do that if I was in that kind of situation. <laughs> like he'd come back um, with a pile of flattened things and just throwing more shit out. Yep. Yep. Out of ten. It's really good. Like that is an amazing show. Um, you know, more, sh- more more shit for John Doe to watch. I've, yeah. I've watched the first <laughs> season of Orville. I don't think I've seen the second yet, though. It's one of those things the that tend one, to pretty fall fun. by the wayside. <laughs> That's fair. That is very fair. I'm, I'm not going to criticize you for not watching everything. Not even I watch everything, and I watch a lot of stuff. Yeah, I play far um, too many games to watch everything. I need to yeah. manage my time a little better. Dude, preaching to the fucking choir. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I think work hours are going to have to get cut back. I still need to play. I still <laughs> They're interfering with, like, everything. Yeah, work or sleep. Adopt the work or, you know, we just do adopt the four-day work week so we can all get some gaming in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I agree wholeheartedly. I'm, I'm all for that. If you're in the next Actually, election, someone so sent vote. Me... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, someone sent me a thing recently, which I have to fact-check it, but it was apparently... Um, it was saying we work more than medieval peasants did because even the guys back then realized we have to let them have a day off every so often so they don't fucking revolt. Wait, I need to fact check this, but that sounds about right. It, there's something in my brain that feels like that's correct. 
Because it's like the was it thirty hour work week and then rising up all came from the industrial revolution when we could actually work during the night. So, or when it was cold or yeah. raining or anything like that. Uh yeah. So fun times. Yeah. <laughs> uh um I I you read Monster Hunter, didn't you? Yes, I did. Well, listen to, read, however you want to define audible. But consumed. Yes, I consumed the content. And I <laughs> extremely thoroughly enjoyed it. I'd, I'd highly recommend it for almost anyone to listen to. I normally listen to, yeah. like, sci-fi military shit, and this was a very, very welcome change. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It is I a think- great one. Yes, I think that'll is. really help people, like probably like you who like that sort of thing. Is it? It's not entirely out of the military thing because they, they they run like a PMC. Yeah, very much so. Um, and yeah. the guy who writes it as well is a massive gun nut. So oh yeah, he is. Uh, he really proponents the the idea that Cookie Monster is a secret operator. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love the fact that um, like was it anytime you guys have one of the rants about guns, like it has these things and these things, and it's like. I have no idea what's going on, but at the very end of it, he has a little tagline. It's like, for those who don't know about guns, this is a really, really good gun. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I, have, yeah. Like, I like this. Now I know what to think. It was the um, the shotgun that he has. Yeah. The, the abomination. abomination. So, what, it's like, <laughs> how many laws does this break? Oh, all of them. <laughs> I set out to do it. <laughs> I, but the thing that's crazy is, like, you might have read the first book, and... Yep. Like, like talking around actual spoilers. The whole, the the kind of crux of the novel is like an apocalypse. Yeah. In book one, and, and not just like uh, end of the world. It's time will no longer exist. So it's end of universe. It's the the old ones coming yeah. back, and that is reality now. Deal with it. Yeah. And it's terrifying. Oh, it's just well written it leaves enough for you to question all the way through it going oh shit is this what's going to happen or how are they going to get around this and you mm. you get thrown into enough deep ends you can fuck how the what is going to happen next or how is this going to pan out yeah, yeah. it is well but worth that it. is the first book which means that you've at least encountered the elves yes yes I have <laughs> so good the, the elves are the best <laughs> defining the, those elves is odd because there's there's a character in the book I love which, when they're driving there to explain it to him and it's like oh because one guy likes Tolkien yeah and, and he, like, he oh, he's like, oh my like, god mate. there's elves there's these mm. mystical lovely beings that like for, for all this evil in the world there also has to be some secret good and oh my god we're gonna go meet elves and then he meets elves yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that is I literally love, the like, best the, way to the way you said that is Perfect. It is the exact <laughs> tone for discovering themselves oh, in that book. Oh my like, god! I don't even want to say what they are because it's it's we so good. We need more people to read this series. I want that series adapted properly. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. That would be it's, great. It's fantastic. But it's like that genre actually modern fantasy. I quite enjoy because there's uh, Monster Hunter International, uh, mm-hmm. Dresden Files, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Where you can have the uh, fantasy aspects of it, but in a modern society. So it's things like, oh, what, what happened to vampires when people started bringing in semi-automatic weapons? They got fucked. Oh, That's well, what happened. Dude, in the, in the my final favorite fight bit, scene like, of no that, context. there's, there's yeah. a, a vampire in that that's saying to the old ones, like, don't go out there. You haven't fought a human in a long friggin' time. It, things have changed. Like, no, no, things haven't changed. We are still the old ones. We're going to go there and kick ass. And then they walk into oh, artillery fire. Right. It's like, you yep. dumb fuck. <laughs> the ancient vampires things have changed. They walk into like a wall years. of lead and Just silver and then RPG fire. guns and explosives. Oh. <laughs> it's like, this is what happens when you step out of society for a few hundred years. Shit changes. <laughs> Oh. We'll be but fine. We've seen your, their your cannons. The you haven't seen what became of those cannons. Mm. Yeah. I'm keen to see what you think of the next one because it dovetails off the current one and what happened at the end. Yep. And, yeah, it, it's pretty fun. The, uh, the Essentially, they, they more or less throw the main character under the bus to the old ones. I love it. Well, the, uh, the epilogue of the first one is um, mm. they... They asked, like, why didn't, when this all kicked off, why didn't you just nuke the whole thing? And they go, we tried. And then the epilogue is them 
trying and what happened and how it all gets thrown back on the main character and yeah oh it That's just basically sets the what whole thing up the to, next book. you're all fucked <laughs> yeah. you punched an all basically they punched an all on the face enough to make it hurt and all he got was one name for it it's the name of the main character yeah so it's like well I'm gonna fuck that thing up it's like whoa uh, it's, it's they're wonderfully written they're so fun um, yeah like absolutely keep diving on those although swoosh uh, speaking of urban fantasy books I think there's one you've never read called Ghosts and Magic it sounds by, weird but I have not by read. M.R. Forbes I think you'd really like it hmm. it's got a bit of a Dresden Files vibe except the whole gist is the main character is a necromancer nice um, and in this setting necromancers are like fucking illegal you're not supposed to make necromancers because in this setting it, for you to be a necromancer you have to be dying huh so the main oh, character I remember if you I, mentioned this one a while ago yeah mm. when I read it because like it really gave me these Dresden file vibes because he does a lot of like the same kind of like investigative stuff Dresden does hmm. but because like I think he's got cancer if I recall it's been a while since I read the book um, there's actually four of them uh, and, and so he's progressively dying and getting weaker but as he gets weaker he becomes a more powerful necromancer as he gets closer to death hmm. and nice. like all the other factions in the setting are like wait fuck what did you send a necromancer what the fuck man we're not <laughs> supposed to have those <laughs> who did this I always liked yeah. um, there was like one book specifically in Dresden Files dealt with necromancers and what they do I really mm. liked their version of necromancy where you have to simulate the heartbeat yeah. So the idea for that one was you could bring the dead back, but you have to have a drum or something there to keep pounding out a rhythm to make sure that it, in place of a heart, it keeps going. And it's like, I like that. That's great. Because uh, it just brought in some weird shit. I love the fact, like, all the other ones have really simple and make sense things. You know, like the dude who's just, like, drumming the book against the side of his leg the whole time. Mm. And then, you know, in the heat of the moment, Dresden's, man, Dresden's like, one man band! Yeah. <laughs> Like, proper one-man bet. I love Butters. He's one of my favorite characters in that series. Oh, Butters is great. But the that fact one, that he's... He's now a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so good, so good, so good, so good. There are some amazingly oh. like, crafted scenes in those books. Because the way that his writing seems to work is... Whilst the books themselves are really fun to read through... They are all crafting to one or two specific scenes in a book. Like Yes. Uh, there's one of them where they go on a heist in Hades vault just to go and you know because you do uh, one of his friends a knight of the cross who has a, had a sword with the one of the nails of the cross in it that's where he got his power from uh, he's retired because he basically got crippled but they're having a bit of a standoff between a fallen angel who's just across a wooden fence from him and him and it's just like what are you going to do walk out here and hit me which point an archangel who's just like looking after him touches the shoulder is like go for it it's like what I gave him my grace he can walk again and you just see him testing his leg out like <laughs> get me my fucking sword <laughs> he's like yes but, yeah uh, yeah Michael he was a he um, was a great character a friend of mine did want to did want me to point out to you John Doe that there is a side series to Monster Hunter uh, you may I think they refer, reference him in the first book I can't remember a character called Chad yep yeah there's actually a set of books about Chad oh nice I'll have to go track those down as well um, because they're they're pre the the actual Monster Hunter series because the Monster Hunter series refers to the Christmas party incident yeah, yeah. Um, his books are set before that leading up to the Christmas oh, awesome. party I, I do um, like the um, the wall they had, like the remembering wall. Yeah. And like, mm. when he's going through, he notices so many of them have the same date. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, what happened there? Uh, the Christmas party. Right, <laughs> and that leads up to that's got to be a hell of a Christmas party. And you think, no, that's a wall of remembrance. Oh, oh, that was a hell of a Christmas party. Yeah. And then you hear what happened. <clears throat> is like, oh yeah. But like some of the side characters in those novels, like Agent Franks, um, mm. who is the the fuckwit, uh, the thing he was dating before in the first Grant. Book? Uh, Grant. Grant. Yeah. 
Fuck that guy. And, and even he yeah. racks off to Hollywood <laughs> to be a, mm. a consultant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a... That was a hard... Like, one of those characters in the book is like, I hope you die. And then they, you know, they don't die. But it's like, why? Just fall over mm. dead now. Aneurysm. Just do the thing. Ugh. Um... While I, I'm, I feel like we're going to end up having a regular book club on this fucking show. I'd be good cool um, Just, just one other one for you, for you, John Doe. If you haven't looked into it, if you looked any into any of the um, Blue Wolf books, Blue Wolf, no, no, I've, I've mainly so been the, military I, sci-fi. I haven't done a whole <clears throat> lot of fantasy. No, no, this is a military sci-fi book. Really? No, then no, I haven't. The idea is uh, some uh, uh, group goes out into the middle of buttfuck nowhere and, like, I can't remember if it is that, but, you know, like, sort of, like, Afghanistan-type area. Um, and they meet some natives and some shit goes down and the main character gets the Curse of the Blue Wolf, which essentially turns him into a giant blue werewolf. <laughs> and he's got full military training, so a PMC group, I can't remember who they are off the top of my head, um, basically hires him with the idea that we'll figure out how to cure you from the blue wolf, but you need to do ops for us. And they team him up with a bunch of other supernatural characters and they go do like military operations as as supernatural creatures. That's pretty cool. And the first book this is called Blue Curse. Unicorn, isn't it? That's it by Brad Magnanella. Correct. Is yeah. this Task Force Unicorn? Kinda. I still have a credit, so um, that one is now purchased alright I'll listen to that one during oh, look, the week you you like military fiction and <laughs> you seem to be getting a little into this sort of like kind of magic sci-fi thing on the side it's like well that's that whole series of books jam excellent is, is doing oh. that one thing have we forced John Doe into reading The Forever War yet? I've already read I've uh, listened to The Forever War already yeah Ooh, it's a good yeah, one I've, it is oh. Yeah, that, my favorite that was my use pre-audible. Travel and time. I I acquired ah, copies of those from elsewhere before I learned of Audible and thoroughly ah. enjoyed them. I think I browbeat every person I know with like, <laughs> read the Forever War. It's <laughs> Any, really fucking good. Anytime someone's like, I need book recommendations, Forever War. Yeah, Just straight up, read the thing. It, it's it's amazing. I eventually convinced Dad to read it because uh, my old man never used to read much in the way of fantasy or sci-fi. He was always very much I'm a read technical thing, so he read like brief history of time, all that kind of stuff. Mm. But uh, when he retired, he's like, I have nothing to do. I'm like, well, here's some books. So I got him hooked on the Dresden Files and uh, all of Terry Pratchett. So he inhaled Terry Pratchett and loved mm. it. Uh, and then he moved on towards rereading everything done by uh, oh who's the guy who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide? Um, uh, Douglas Adams. Uh, Douglas Adams. But did you know he wrote something along the lines of a hundred or so books? He no, has a it, huge catalogue. I'm not going to lie. I think the only Douglas Adams book I've ever read is Hitchhiker's. Yeah. I, I know but there's the five books like, like, in the trilogy. <clears throat> oh yeah, the uh, trilogy in five parts. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the fact that I, I got Dad into the um, Terry Pratchett, and he and Douglas Adams have a very interesting way of communicating. They take a very complex idea, distill it down to its base parts, and impart the knowledge very simply and easily. Mm. So it's really good. Um, but the same thing kind of happens in the Forever Wars. Like, yeah, he'll like this one, where they've actually taken something that makes sense, a scientific thing. It's like, all right relativity like that's how it works to them it seems like four months have gone by but every time they come back it's a few hundred years it, it's it's amazing mm. like I, I don't even want to talk about it simply because like there, there's books I like and then there's stuff like the forever war where it's like this this book is really special like mm. you should read it like apps like I know a lot of people like old sci-fi books don't hold up as well like even I say like I know a lot of people really like Neuromancer mm. I, I can't truck with it because it's it's so like, I'm thinking about what the future's gonna be and you didn't get it yeah. <laughs> uh, we last week we um, mentioned uh, Ender's Game uh, and mm, yeah. there's five or six books in that series and the, the second mm. one follows Ender after the whole Ender War yeah. uh, titled Speaker for the Dead I don't know if either of you have yeah. read that I have and 
taking that whole series and going in a completely different direction. I thought it was yeah. something I hadn't read in a whole lot of other books. Normally it's, oh, well, this is an mm. action series, so it's all going to continue being action. And it's not. It is yeah, well yep. worth a read for a very big change of pace. Yeah. So I enjoyed just, that like, It's really hard to recommend because it's like, this first book is very different. And if you got into it because of the first book, you might not like the rest, but the rest is still really good. Mm. Well, it's one of those weird things. Recently, there was a, a bloke on A Current Affair here in Australia uh, whose friend asked him to, as he was, or well, when he was dying of cancer, to, at his funeral, read out a piece of paper. And it reminded hmm. me very much of Speaker for the Dead. And so during the ceremony, yeah. he spoke up, he stood up in the middle of it all, told everyone else to shut the fuck up and read out this little note. And it was saying how his best friend, who was up giving a, a eulogy, had been sleeping with his wife, who was sitting in the front row, and Ooh. just went through, like, he knew everything. And just, this is a note, I'm reading it out, everyone else can shut the fuck up, and this is the way it is. And since then, he's started a business. Mm. So if you're on your deathbed or you have something to say that you want read out at your funeral, he'll go there and do it. And he's, yeah, <laughs> he's done everything from confessions to pointing people out or <clears throat> stating the truth of certain events. And yeah, he that, cops a lot of flack for amazing. it, but he's oh, literally yeah. a speaker for the dead. And oh, it yeah. is just such an interesting thing to have happen yeah I kind of want to really find is. one of these things like I'm assuming someone's recorded at least one. Oh, can you imagine being in the funeral and going oh my god the dearly beloved's gone this bloke stands up and you're going oh shit this is about to get real <laughs> like, you can almost hear the records <laughs> I mean, like, what what <laughs> what got- if it happened at my uh, funeral for me it was like drama oh yeah <laughs> if this day wasn't dramatic enough already holy jeebus well I mean it's going to get more dramatic because as he gets known as the person who does yeah. this, he's not going to be able to show up to the funeral. He's going to have to, like, wait somewhere else for a little bit and then sort of, like, burst in. <laughs> a Kramer. He's got something like a master of disguise. He just starts doing, like, uh, special effects workshops to make him look, like, different. Or just sits in the middle of the crowd <laughs> with, like, the, the fake glasses and the funny nose in there. I'm not me. Hmm. <laughs> it was me all along. <laughs> it's like process servers, and what they have to do is like, oh, it's like, are you this person? No. God damn it. You can't look like a process server. You gotta look like someone different. Uh, well, we've made it over an hour, so I think it's Alrighty. time to wrap things up for this week. Oh, shit. Alright, guys. Oh, we'll catch you next time. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. Have yourselves a good one. See you next time. <laughs>